Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and this episode was recorded on Friday, the 22nd of October, and in just a moment we'll be joined by Chris Frame. We're going to be out and about. We, uh, we decided we enjoyed it so much last week that we went out and about, we connected with the ocean once again, and we'll be bringing you the cruise news and maritime history slash listener questions uh, from a waterfront here in Western Australia. little shout-out to uh, those of you that are listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing wherever you uh, are in the world. It is definitely working. We've popped up on the charts, uh, the podcast charts, in lots of different destinations over the last couple of weeks, so please continue to do that. Um, you, there's a couple of ways you can help us. One of them is buy me a coffee, which we'll talk about later in the podcast, but the other way is just to simply share um, this podcast with somebody who you think may like it, and that really does make a big difference uh, to our listener numbers. So thank you to those of you that have done that. Also, just a little reminder, if you do want to get in touch with the show, the website is thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, click on Join the Show, and that's how you can send a listener question or how you notify us that you want to complete a uh, cruise review. And we've got a couple of those in the pipeline uh, from people that have done cruises over the last couple of weeks in the Mediterranean and Europe. So uh, thank you to those, and we look forward to sharing those with you. And finally, just a quick reminder, if you uh, do need any cruise merchandise or cruise apparel for your upcoming cruise, uh, you can do so uh, via our website. We do have uh, some t-shirts available. Uh, they are organic cotton. They are produced using uh, only green electricity, and there is no plastic used in the whole production. So definitely doing what we can uh, to, to help uh, ethical production of uh, t-shirts and uh, cruise uh, apparel. And again, all of that is available. Uh, via our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. But let's get straight into it. Let's uh, go meet Chris out on the waterfront. And uh, I hope you enjoy today's episode. (music) 
Well, it is Friday once again, and uh, this time we are out and about on location, and of course it's time to bring Chris Frame into the conversation. Hey Chris, how are you, mate? Good. Yeah, we're sitting here looking at, uh, they're not cruise ships, but they are boats. Yeah, yeah, they're on the water, they're and we can the smell water. the ocean. And you can, you can hear the ocean in the background, so it's nice. It's really to be out and about. <laughs> Lovely sunny day. So for anybody that's in Western Australia, you may be familiar with a place called Mindari, Mindari Marina, up in the northern suburbs. That's where we are today. It's a beautiful day. The sun is shining. And as we drove down, you can see the, uh, the ocean. It's, uh, it's a great little spot. And we're sat here watching these little boats go by and moor alongside their, their oceanfront houses. Uh, but it's been an incredible week in cruise, as uh, we tend to have most weeks. But before we get into the cruise news, we have... Um, I've got a, a couple of listener questions, which I think we'll jump in first of all, Chris. Um, the first one is actually not a cruise question, but it is quite uh, relevant, so I thought we'd include it. And mm. the question came in from um, Joe in Victoria. He said, Hey, Baz, I know Chris has a passion for aviation. Can you ask, does he have a favourite aircraft and any preference over Boeing or Airbus? Love the show. Sorry, it's not a cruise question. Well, that doesn't matter, Joe. We'll, we'll answer any question that comes in, or try to anyway. Um, have you got a preference, Chris? Well, um it's interesting, Joe. Thank you for the question. And it'll actually um, not surprise you probably that my, my answer is going to have a maritime history angle to it, um, Baz. Because um, do I have a preference? Like, I, mean, I love flying on, um, on both Airbuses and, and Boeings. Uh, I do enjoy very much travel on the Airbus A380, mm-hmm, which I thought was um, an absolutely remarkable passenger experience. Uh, and the A350 as well is really, really good. It's taken a lot of the um, learnings that they had from the A380 in terms of passenger comfort and pressurization, and it's built it into that aircraft. Um, so um, I was fortunate enough to fly the A350 with Cathay Singapore and um, and Finnair before mm-hmm. COVID hit. Um, but also like the 787 on the direct services between Australia and, and the United Kingdom with Qantas was, was remarkable. Um, it's a magnificent piece of technology and I think perhaps in terms of a favorite I mean the 747 yeah it was a good one just the icon. Of the sky it's an yep. icon it, it always felt special when you went on the 747 but talk about Airbus or Boeing Boeing of course is is instrumental in the story of the ocean liner because it mm. was the Boeing 707 um, that in 1958 was pretty much the death knell for the era of transatlantic and, and global tra- um, ocean liners yeah um, it started off of course with pan american introducing the first 707 flights pretty quickly after that other airlines including boac started to introduce 707s um, and then qantas was the first non-us airline actually to introduce 707s so australia had them really early on as well which started to impact trans-pacific mm-hmm. line voyages um, and then, of course, in the 1960s with the 747, that's when it became cheaper to travel by uh, air than by ship for all classes. Um, so your tourist class on the ocean liners um, collapsed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's sort of a Boeing thing as well. And then and Boeing were, of course, very much there um, during that and also during the establishment of the cruise industry, which we spoke about last week, yeah. where, of course, the, the planes bring the passengers to the ships. Um, Airbus itself... 1970s it was it was formed as a consortium with the um, a300 their first airplane the wide body Mm -hmm. aircraft twin engine which was pretty revolutionary of course that sort of paved the way for the modern era with um, passenger planes now being mostly twin engine airplanes and the the quad jets being phased out Um, and I think uh, from a historical point of view of course Boeing and and its um, once rival Douglas which is now part of 
you know, Boeing acquired McDonnell Douglas, mm -hmm. um, really were involved very heavily in that ocean liner story. So I, I think about that quite a lot more with the work that I do in history. Yeah. But um, uh, I've got a few friends who are very big Boeing fans, and that that, that line, if it ain't Boeing, it ain't going. <laughs> that, that, um, but but I always uh, I always let them know that I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Airbus. I think. Um, you know they've got a, a slightly different philosophy in the way the aircraft are flown um they're very very comfortable way to travel and but then really it comes down to the airline and the cabin you know yeah, like yeah. when it comes to flying on the actual plane boeing airplanes look good 747 looks really good but the a380 is probably more comfortable experience yeah so yeah. Yeah. And if you're lucky enough to be in the pointy end or upstairs, as it were, on the A380s, you've always got that little bar area for yeah. the, some of the airlines, which is a very, very nice touch. So many A380s have met their met their end with COVID. I think a lot of airlines have signaled they won't return them or they're going to be um, phased out. So I think, uh, funnily enough, even though the 747 was launched in the 1960s, it's still technically in production now, whereas the A380s ended production. So it's, yeah. it's definitely a more successful aircraft. Um, but it was a product of its time, and I think the the idea behind the A380 with that hub model um, made sense when they were developing it. But as things have evolved, and the um, carbon composite aircraft like the 787 and A350 have become mm -hmm. um, more and more widely spread, and airlines want to do point-to-point -point travel. And of course, the airline industry, just like every other industry, has to evolve significantly reduces carbon yep. impact because we all do um, otherwise you know where, where are we going to live um, so th there's definitely a shift towards those greener airplanes as well mm. interesting we, we spoke about the a380 there and some being uh, decommissioned i heard that Qantas this week have announced that they're going to bring forward the the, the entrance of uh, new routes and uh, previous existing routes um, including bringing back the a380s earlier than they ever thought they would so uh, i think mm. believe we've got a, a sydney darwin delhi coming back uh, early december there's talk of Sydney, Singapore from uh, late November, which is about a month earlier than originally planned. And uh, they've got Sydney, Fiji, um, Joburg and Bang uh, oh, Phuket, sorry, not Bangkok, um, also being brought forward. So a lot of excitement for the East Coast in particular. We're still yet to find out what will happen over on the West Coast here. But uh, things are looking a little bit, uh, bit brighter for some parts of the tourism industry here in Australia. Mm -hmm. Let's go straight into question number two, though, which came from Sam here in Western Australia. Um, Sam is a first-time cruiser, not sure what to do about dining, early, late or flexible. We're a family of four, including two kids, plus the grandparents may also come along. Hmm. I'm thinking of a South Pacific cruise for late 22. Uh, any tips around dining, particularly with families? Well, I mean, I, I would, looking at that, I would, um, it depends on how old the kids are, I suppose. Yeah. But I would think that maybe flexible might be the way to go so that you can just choose. Again, Sam doesn't mention what cruise line, but some of the cruise lines don't necessarily make you choose a specific time they have a flexible option and if you can if you can work that around what suits the family on the day perhaps that's the best tip but you know you've had a lot of experience traveling with with family Baz what, what, what would you suggest I'm torn actually because admittedly when the kids were younger early dining was great not necessarily because they needed to eat earlier but because mm -hmm. The waiters really got to know them, having the same waiting staff every evening. They got to know them in a few days. They anticipated that they liked apple juice rather than orange juice with their dinner. Sure. And it just made life so much easier. Um, and they actually look forward to going to the restaurant, which can be a bit of a chore if it's a drawn-out affair for, for younger kids. Um, but South Pacific's probably a little bit easier. But if they were going to Europe, then the flexible dining would probably be swayed as well because 
each port is different. You never know how what time you're going to get back to the ship in Europe in particular. And the last thing you want to do is be rushing back just to get in for an early dining. So, if yeah, I'd probably sway towards um, the flexible dining, I think. Um, mm. and, and I'd probably definitely do that now that my kid's that little bit older because they... Um, you know they know what to expect when they, they go on a cruise yeah, ship now. When cool. in the early days it was a, a bit of a, a challenge, um, but um, yeah, go probably go with flexible. And uh, you can always uh, ask to change it. It's not always possible, but uh, if you want to um, move over to fixed for for whatever reason, you can always request with a matri and see what they they can do. Now, yeah, I also have another question. But I'm going to wait until we get into to cruise news before sure. we we get into this. We've got a, a lot to to get through with cruise news, but we. Uh, you can hear the, the, the seagulls, seagulls are definitely at the beach. Yeah. And if you've never been to Western Australia, there's something called the Fremantle Doctor, which is normally a summer thing, but I think we might have just picked up the early Fremantle Doctor, which is a breeze that comes in from about lunchtime. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just coming. You're probably picking that up on the microphone right now. Um, so let's take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second with the, the cruise news. So Chris, lots of excitement over in uh, Europe, particularly in uh, the Netherlands this week, mm. as uh, two bits of news came out from Holland America Line. The first being that they've named the uh, the godmother of the latest ship, the Rotterdam. Yes, uh, Her Royal Highness Princess Marguerite of the Netherlands. I think that's how you pronounce mm, it. I think so. Um, in the name, and uh, will be godmother of Rotterdam. Um, this is, of course, a, a, um, a connection that Holland America Line's had with uh, uh, with the Dutch royal family for quite some time. Um, in fact, all the way back uh, to last century, uh, Baz. 1920s, yeah. Yes, 1920s. And uh, it's the 13th ship that will, for that um, shipping company slash cruise line that will be named by a member of the Dutch royal family. Yeah, lots of history, lots of traditions there. And of course, Rotterdam will uh, be a spectacular ship. In fact, um, I did see some great images of the Rotterdam and um, I was a little taken aback. Um, she's a, a design of ship that has been copied across various platforms now for the Carnival mm. Corporation. But Holland America's always had this traditional image and the, the kind of bow line and things. And this mm. ship is just doesn't have that. It's definitely a carbon copy of yeah. other ships from other cruise lines. And I kind of wasn't expecting that. I don't know well, why. Well, you know, her history as well, she wasn't supposed to be the Rotterdam. Yeah, that's true. She yeah. was supposed to be um, Rheindam, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, and they, they, I don't think Holland America necessarily were thinking of selling Amsterdam and Rotterdam, the, the yeah. previous generation yeah. of ones before COVID hit, um, which are now, of course, sailing with um, Fred Olsen cruisers as Bolette and Borealis. And those two are classics. I mean, mm. they were just beautiful designs, yep. sort of a, a specific design for Holland America line, pre pre-carnival takeover or, or, or maybe not perhaps it was um, probably early days maybe. early days of the of the carnival um, era where they were still kind of developing different ships for different brands rather than using those same designs across brands yeah um, and so I suppose for traditionalists or people who are used to Rotterdam being associated with a unique ship mm. a unique design as it has been every other time um, it is a bit of a change yeah yeah, yeah. And being a bit of a traditionalist, that ties in with my question, which will come up as part of this next bit of news from Holland America Line. They have actually announced the maiden voyage of, um, sorry, the maiden voyage has happened, sorry, mm. um, from Amsterdam to Florida, yeah. um, in view that she'll be heading over, of course, for the Caribbean and the Bahamas sailings. Yeah. So she was delivered in July of this year and then has made her way across um, to, to the Caribbean. Yeah, just this week, yeah. Um, yeah, and she'll be doing a series of Caribbean cruises um, with in inclusions of visits at Half Moon Key, 
which is the uh, private island that Holland America has there in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see her, because I think this might be where you were leading. She's been on her maiden voyage before she's been christened. Yes, which doesn't upset me, but it just... I mean, it, it raises my kind of eyebrows a little bit because being such a traditional brand and got so much history, mm. ships were always named and christened before the first fair-paying guests mm. ever yeah. embarked. But nowadays, it's not so much. The, the, the naming ceremony or the celebration sometimes come months. In fact, this one is probably a good six months after mm. the, the first guests are going to be stepping on board. Yeah, I mean, it's a thing that's kind of interesting because with Holland America, um, brands like Holland America, P&O, Orient Line, Cunard, the ships used to be named on the and uh, christened on the day of their launch. Mm -hmm. You know, so they were they were um, officially named, and um, a ceremony was held when they were going down the slipway. But they don't build ships like yeah, that yeah. anymore. Um, and so, uh, most ships now, you know, the name of the ship before it's even um, mm, true, yeah. construction's been ma made on it. But this one, of course, had a change of names. But one of the things that was was nice is, of course, that they they still used to hold it true to that tradition of, of doing the official christening before the passengers stepped on board. Look, I mean, I don't know if uh, perhaps COVID has something to do with that. Perhaps the, the way that they had to organize the ship's movement had something to do with that. Um, but then there's also other historical shipping companies, not Holland America, of course, but other lines that didn't used to even bother with yeah. official naming ceremonies. White Star Line, for example, Titanic was never christened. Mm. Neither was Olympic or any of her, um, any of her sister ships or fleet mates. So I guess, um, Historically, there's a whole heap of different ways it was done, but it is it is a shame, I suppose, in some ways, to see some of the more historic brands moving a bit further away from their from their roots. Yeah, and yeah. you know, things evolve, things change, but uh, I like to remember Holland America for, for a lot of things that it did incredibly well, and yeah. uh, they probably will still do incredibly well as it's well. A, it's actually funny. I sailed on Pacific Eden with P&O Australia mm -hmm. before she was officially named. We, we did the maiden voyage was um, Singapore through around Australia and then ended up in, in um, Sydney. Yep. And when she was in Sydney, she met Pacific Aria and was they christened the new, there yeah. in Sydney. And so, yeah, it was um, interesting because the ship was Pacific Aria. It had the name on it. It was called that on board the ship, but it hadn't been officially named yet. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a thought. So if you book a cruise because you're going on that, you want to be the first guest, you want to have that fresh ship smell and you want to be the first people on board and the first people to sleep in that bed. There have been instances well, before COVID where cruise ships have been ready before they should have been. Things have progressed through the shipyards and they have actually been pre-pre-inaugural cruises where yeah, yeah, yeah. after the first, the people have booked what they thought was the first cruise, other people are then booking on a cruise that's actually earlier. Yeah, sure. Which, uh, which is an interesting take as well. It is, yeah. And that's the other thing that's um, strange to think about, like even with, even with a ship like Titanic from history, right, where it's known very quickly that she sunk on her maiden voyage, but Titanic had been on multiple voyages before mm. her maiden passenger voyage. Yep. She'd been on her delivery trials, her sea trials, she'd moved yep. to Southampton, she'd done sort of testing stuff near Belfast um, during the construction. So um, yeah, it was the first passenger voyage, but she definitely had, had work on board before. And one of the things that um, is interesting is when you see the film um, and they have that scene where the rats are running up to get away from the water and mm -hmm. quite a lot of people say well, it's a brand new ship how could there possibly have been rats on board well she'd been in the water for yeah. almost two years yeah. after christening after launching rather uh by the time she by the time she sank she was launched of course in and actually a year i should say she was launched in 1911 and then of course sunk in 1912 so um 
you know, there was plenty of time for the for those rats to get on board. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to some new uh, news, a little bit more local to Australia. And this is one of those good news stories coming out from Captain Cook over in Fiji, of all places. And uh, obviously, Fiji, just like lots of places in the world, relies very heavily on tourism visits and uh, particularly visits from cruise ship visitors. And uh, Captain Cook have gone one step further to try and help some of these villages that just don't have the income and the needs that they need right now. Yes, they have uh, two of their ships. Um, it's a catamaran vessel called Fiji One, um, and then the Reef Endeavour, and they've uh, been laden with uh, or filled up with um, supplies um, to assist the villagers there. So they've gone in to offer offer aid. Yeah, anything from groceries to medical supplies, uh, hygiene packs, baby items. There's so much. Here. Uh, items there. And it's all been donated by uh, people and tourism organisations over in uh, Sydney from the Scout yeah. Club there, which is great, great news. And, a, and a, a contribution from the Rotary Club as well in Sydney Cove. Yeah, no. so thanks to, to everybody involved with that. I'm sure that will be greatly appreciated. Um, another goodwill gesture also coming out of Princess. Now, this is specifically for North America, so if you're listening here in Australia yeah. or elsewhere in the world, this doesn't apply to you right now. But anybody listening into North America, and if you're a first responder, there's some good news on the horizon. Yes, yeah, so there's a special Special offer from Princess here for the people who have been, you know, offering so much support during these difficult times. Um, it's a special 50% off promotion on, um, you know, various sailings in the North America market. Um, so uh, I think you can put the, the link there if anyone's interested in finding yeah, in out more notes, about yeah. it in the show notes. But yeah, basically, it's. Uh, there's a booking deadline at the end of this year and it's for cruises through to the end of February. Yeah, with departures from Los Angeles, San Francisco through to Mexico and the California coast, also Caribbean from Fort Lauderdale. But yeah, that link will be in the show notes as well. Um, now, this next bit of news did surprise me. It came from nowhere. Um, I knew that there was rumours of an announcement from Royal Caribbean, but I never for one minute thought that Royal Caribbean would be talking about not only a world cruise, but possibly one of the longest world cruises we've ever seen. Yes, 274 nights. Uh, Nine months. 274 <laughs> nights in uh, 2023. Look, I mean, if there's any way to indicate how much people have missed cruising, this is it, right? Yeah, you can yeah. spend that amount of time on the ship if you wish, um, sailing around the world in what is you know, aptly being described as an epic adventure. <laughs> um, it's going to go to um, seven, the seven continents, um, 150... Uh, ports across 65 countries and will allow you to visit 11 um, of the great wonders of the world. Didn't even know there was 11 until <laughs> I read this um, statement from, from Royal Caribbean, but there we go. Yeah, Serenade of the Seas is the ship. There's the full voyage, which is about the nine-month mark, but there are also four sectors. If people uh, don't have nine months leave available to them, uh, you can, of course, do the first one departing 10 December. Uh, sorry, uh, the first of those sectors, 10 December through to 11 Feb. Um, taking in 36 destinations. The second sector is Asia and the Pacific, that's 11 Feb through to 9 May, three continents and 40 destinations. Mm. Middle Eastern treasures and marvels, and the Med is 9 May through to July, which I think will probably be incredibly popular, 44 destinations and four wonders of the world. And lastly, Capitals of Culture, which is 10 July through to 10 September, three continents, 40 destinations, and again, all that information and so much more is available in the show notes. Yeah. Speaking of culture and nine months, perhaps some organisations should take their whole business away for nine months at sea <laughs> and build the organisational culture whilst you're sailing around the world. <laughs> be a pretty, nice. pretty pleasant way to work, wouldn't it? <laughs> I suspect in a couple of weeks we'll have some news from Royal Caribbean that uh, the phones have gone off the hook and uh, 
the voyage is probably much sold out. So yeah. it'll be one of those. Uh, Just imagine how many podcasts we could do if we were nine months at Seabass. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I actually, as much as I love cruising, I don't know that I could do a world cruise. No, I'm not, I've, I've never actually done uh, anything remotely close to that scale either. I, I tend to find maybe five or six shorter cruises mm. uh, on different ships in different locations. Um, plus, it's difficult to be away from your home life for that yeah, long. Yeah. But some people love it. Oh, um, people, people do back to back I mean, to back. People yeah. who live on ships. Of course, there's been people who've had you know years on board who yeah. only leave when they're going to refit. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now we've got some um, new news out of uh, Seven Seas. Uh, sorry, Regent Seven Seas, with the Seven Seas Explorer commencing her inaugural season. Yes, exactly. So uh, on the 15th of October, um, she took on her guests a little while, um, well, about a week ago. By the time people are listening yeah. to this, I suppose. Um, and uh, she she left uh, Trieste in Italy and is um, on her way to Croatia and Greece. Yeah, some beautiful ports in there, heading through uh, Ravenna in Italy, Zadar, Croatia, Dubrovnik, Croatia, Bari, Italy, Corfu, Greece, Tamian, Italy, and Sorrento for Capri uh, in Italy. Beautiful. And, yeah, no, great. And well done to uh, everybody there at uh, Regent Seven Seas. The next ship um, will be... Mariner. Of course, yes. December, yeah, yeah and yeah. the Navigator in January. Oh, and then the last one. Jealous. I know, me too. The Voyagers. <laughs> this is the hardest part about this. Come on, guys. You got to give, give us a. a, a what, do you, what do they do with the podcast? Give us a, give us a comment of, um, uh, well done or stay, stay strong. <laughs> we still can't cruise. <laughs> so if you're listening to this overseas and you can, please uh, feel, feel sorry for us. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Seven Seas Voyager, of course, is um, the last one, and she will return in February. Brilliant. And Crystal Cruises this week were named the best luxury river cruise operator in the Wave Awards. Yes, I know. And that's a pretty popular awards um, that, that's held each year. In fact, I think your our friend uh, Emma won uh, a blogger in the, oh, previ- the previous oh, okay. year's Wave Awards. I'm pretty sure I've seen that on her on her website. Okay. Um, so it's a... It is part of the World Cruising World of Cruising magazine and Cruise Trade News, mm-hmm. and it uh, celebrates obviously you know standouts amongst a variety of different categories, um, and so it's um, pretty cool for for Crystal to to take away that award with um, Crystal Mozart being the one that's uh, set the, the ship's. Um, sort of set the company apart from some of the others. Mm, no, great. Uh, well done there to everybody at uh, Crystal and uh, anybody that's able to, to experience those beautiful products in Europe at the moment. Uh, our next bit of news comes from Storylines, which our listeners may or may not be familiar with. Storylines is a future planned private residence at mm. sea and uh, they've made some pretty substantial tweaks to their deck plans and what they're offering now to people that are wanting to buy one of these residences on board. Yeah, so it's gone from a 17 to 18 um, deck ship mm-hmm. pretty big mm, it's very big yeah. <laughs> um, and um, there's now uh, only 547 um, residences as opposed to 627 which was the original number yeah so basically each person or each residence will have a bit more space um, there's a series of amenities that are going to be on board now this sounds more like a real estate ad than it does a cruise line <laughs> but there's um, you can you know be be wowed by the onboard co- compounding pharmacy <laughs> uh, meeting spaces including boardrooms a bowling alley uh, shared and private workspaces there's um be an outside a movie theater or cinema um, and an indoor um, theater as well which is going to span over uh, multiple decks um, and then there's also going to be pool tables uh, sports bars and other things that you would kind of expect sort of a little bit like what we can see here from the location that we're filming with uh, 
you know, residents living nearby and then there's restaurants and bars and pharmacies and just like sort of a home away from home or a home at, a home at sea. Pet walking promenades, daycares, uh, kennels, pe- pickle, <laughs> pickleboard court, whatever that may be. <laughs> uh, how about this one, a vet and grooming facilities? Wow. Very nice. <laughs> so yeah, storylines, I'm not entirely sure when she's expected to launch. She's, uh, we've still only got artist impressions, but I have put some of those up on one of the, the news pages. So not in the show notes of this particular episode, but upon the, the cruise news page where we often put some of the more popular stories as well. So take a look if, uh, if you're interested in that one. That's all we've got in the cruise news um, for this week. But uh, you've got some personal news yourself, Chris. You're... Uh, Trying to raise a bit of money for charity, you're going to be uh, taking on a bit of an adventure which will take you from uh, coast to coast or cape to cape. Cape to cape, yes, it's the Cape to Cape Walk. It's um, uh, organised each year uh, by a, a charity called Zero to Hero, which is raising money to help support people with mental health um, uh, needs mm-hmm. and also, which is pretty much everybody during the era of COVID. That's one of the things I think that's um, that's a perhaps a positive that's come out of this is that people are much more aware of how um, mental health impacts other people because we've all been touched in a certain way so um, it's kind of breaking down those stigmas which is very important Um, and also helping with uh, suicide prevention in youth Uh, and so we're raising money for that as part of I'm part of a team that's going to be doing this walk together it's 135 um, kilometers of coastal walking so in beaches across rocks on rough terrain yep, yep. climbing up um, things I think there might be uh, we, I did a little bit of a test earlier in the year and there's some sections where you use you've got to use chains to get up rocks and oh, boulders wow. and stuff okay. like that um, and usually it's can, people do the Cape to Cape all the time and um, usually it takes about seven days or so but for this particular fundraiser we're doing it in five. Oh wow um, so uh, Yes, anybody who wishes to support the, this cause, if you want to help um, uh, raise money to help with um, people with mental health and also um, suicide prevention in youth, uh, we'd be more than delighted to to have your support. Brilliant. So you're going to give me the link. It's going to be in the show yeah, notes. The link we'll will also be put it on the social pages. Yeah, absolutely. And but you can also find out more information about it at Zero to Hero. Just Google it. Um, Cape to Cape Walk. And if they go onto there and they just Google Chris Frame, will they be able to find your giving uh, page at all? Or? Yes, but um, if you follow the link on the d- description, you can go straight through to our team okay. our team section. Yeah. And just for people that may be elsewhere in the world, Cape to Cape is where. Oh, it's from Cape Lewin to Cape Naturalist on the Western Australian coast. Um, so it's sort of southwest WA. Uh, there are two lighthouses, one on each point. So if you think of Western Australia um, from a from a sky down view, mm-hmm. down the bottom part of Western Australia, past Perth, there's a, a bit sort of sticks out a little bit like a like a like a foot almost. Yeah. It sticks out of the of the um, continent, um, and it's that section there. So it's. Um, you know, the, the closest town on the southern end would be Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest town on the northern end uh, would be Dunsborough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll be walking on the, if you basically look, zoomed in on it and just followed sort of the beach line up. Um, and uh, training, training for it's going to be interesting. You know, we've always <laughs> already done some test walks to make sure that it was, uh, was doable and um, lots of walking on, on beaches and getting up uh, early in the morning to do training before going because I've never. I've never walked for five days straight yeah. before. Um, I'm trying to get Barry to join my team, actually. Uh, it's not going to happen. Let's, um, let's leave that one there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very luxurious way to, to, to travel, you know, I'm walking every day. <laughs> and the walking wouldn't bother me too much, but the, the lack of hot water, air conditioning, and comforts that are, are available on cruise ships are not available on this walk, so I won't be there. <laughs> 
Well, I've heard it's a very nice three-star hotel at the beginning, so... What about this, the, the other four nights in between and the I'll, end? I'll let you know when we finish, <laughs> So, uh, listeners, if you are able to help out, please do so. Again, that link to support Chris in his little endeavour there is in the show notes. Um, and we'll also be putting it on the social pages as well. Chris, as always, a pleasure, mate. Thank you once again. And uh, who knows, next week we might be back in the studio or we might choose another yeah. random location along the WA coastline. Yeah, how about the Cape to Cape? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> Until next week, Baz. Cheers, mate. See you then. It's me again. Just a quick reminder. Um, if you want to help keep this podcast on air, there's a little way that you can do it. If you're familiar with Patreon, which other podcasters and YouTubers use, that's a way of uh, sending a little donation uh, through to them. We use something similar, but we use a system called Buy Me a Coffee. Um, just like uh, buying your friends a, a coffee in the coffee shop. Very, very similar, although you're not physically buying me a coffee, you're making a small donation. And every donation is greatly appreciated because it really does help to uh, to keep us on air. And the benefit is, once you have made that donation, um, you are then receive priority access to the podcast because all of our supporters do receive the uh, the link to the podcast the moment that it is made live and uh, it can take about 12 to 24 hours for itunes and the other podcast directories to to pick it up so if you would like uh, that priority access then the easiest way to do so is to support us via buy me a coffee you can buy one coffee you can buy two coffees you can buy 10 coffees or you can buy a whole year supply it's entirely up to you but every single uh, little donation through buy me a coffee is greatly appreciated the links of how to do so you'll find in the show notes of each and every episode. Thanks in advance. And now it's time to share our itinerary of the week. And this week uh, we're talking about Cunard. But before we do so, uh, just a reminder that uh, this segment is not in any way sponsored or promoted or paid for by any cruise line. It is simply an itinerary or a cruise that pops across my desk into my inbox. And I think that'd be a cracker. Let's share it with the listeners. And that's exactly what I'm about to do. So this itinerary is on board Cunard's Queen Elizabeth, and it pairs up two beautiful cities, two of my favorite cities in the world. Uh, the first have been Barcelona, and the second being our home port here in Fremantle, Western Australia. That's right. It is the southbound reposition of Queen Elizabeth. Now she will be uh, doing a short stint in the Mediterranean before she comes down to Australia. And this gives you an ideal opportunity to take a 28-night cruise departing Barcelona on the 10th of October and arriving into Fremantle on the 7th of November. In that 28 nights, you've got some beautiful ports to see along the way and more importantly, some great sea days to really enjoy the magnificent ship that is uh, Queen Elizabeth. So places that you'll visit along the way include Heraklion in Crete. You'll go to uh, Luxor. You'll head through the Suez Canal on a full transit. You'll head into uh, Slala. You'll head down to uh, Colombo in Sri Lanka. You'll head then on to Singapore uh, before Jakarta and Bali in Indonesia before making your way down the West Coast and into Fremantle, Western Australia. Now, if 28 nights isn't long enough, and you want a little bit longer, you can, of course, do the 35-night uh, itinerary, which departs on the third, sorry, on the third of October, um, and that'll give you a little bit extra time in the med. So, if the med's your favourite place and you want to ha- tick off a few extra places, you can do so. Um, that one is third of October through to seven November for 35 nights. The initial one that we were talking about was 28 nights, 10 October through to seven November, and we're talking 2022, of course. 
And if you want to, you can continue on through to Sydney as well, uh, where the ship will then be uh, homeported uh, for our Australian season for 22-23. Now, of course, the links to this itinerary and a couple of those itineraries that I've talked about are in the show notes of today's episode. Just head to thebigcruisepodcast.com, click on this particular episode, which is episode 76, and uh, that's where you'll find all this extra information. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.